When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh my god! Wow! I've never had Siri been used before. That's amazing. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast, episode 81. My name is Daniel Taluk. I'm half to that's Hope. And I'm Carl Anker. Hi, guys. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that general spiel. Talking Tactics is back for 2018. Uh, we took a little bit of winter break. I know the Premier League doesn't take a winter break off, but uh, we make this podcast for free. So we figured we deserve a little winter break, just like the Bundesliga, Serie A and La Liga, frankly. So we, we took a little break. Payos, payos, payos. Give us cash. Uh, if you know a way to monetize a podcast uh, and you enjoy talking tactics, please let us know because we'd love to hear from you. Um <laughs> Let's get to the point, though. Uh, thank you for continuing to listening to us uh, in 2018. We hope to provide you with many more interesting footballing opinions, interesting footballing views, uh, great analysis and commentary in this amazing 2018, which will be a World Cup year. I have no idea how we're going to do World Cup analysis. We might Man, it's, look, look, to realize, guys, like we need to talk about that because World Cup is when the football hot is completely like all hands on deck. Like every day to day, so because I'm trying to get to Moscow as well. If Peter will have me, because me and Peter will be go way, way back. We'll be doing something. <laughs> I was thinking, do you really want to go to Russia? Man? Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but for now, continue to support us in the same way as you always have. Make sure with cash to uh listen to us on SoundCloud, uh, like us on SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thanks for supporting us, and hopefully, we can continue to make some great things in 2018. So we're going to try something a little different because we took the winter break off and we missed all of the Christmas break football and some interesting goings on. There's some particularly big football players there in other places. Mm. Um, rather than do our usual week recap of the weekend's football, what I want to do is I want to talk about our big predictions for 2018 and see. So if you allow me, I'm going to start with my big prediction for 2018 and then uh, you can offer me your ones and we'll see how that plays into the last three weeks worth of football analysis. Shall we go? Let's go. All right. So my big 2018 prediction is Barcelona are going to win the Champions League. I th- I, th- I think it's similar, but okay, fair enough. We're recording that we record this on Monday night. So as we're recording this right now, Brighton are a goal up against Crystal Palace in the FA Cup third round, which is notable not for the quality of football, but for the fact they're using VAR. Ooh. Uh, but the bigger news that happened today on Monday was that uh, Philip Coutinho was confirmed for Barcelona in a deal of 142 million, making it the world's largest transfer that isn't backed by a oil state, essentially. Wait, 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 wait. Easy, easy, easy. Wait, it is backed. And I will get to this at a later date, but go for it. Okay. I'll put asterisks on that last sentence I said. Uh, so, Coutinho, so Coutinho has gone to Barcelona. I think it's interesting that they've got this deal over now rather than get it done in the summer or after the World Cup. From what I understand, the deal was put through now because Barcelona were scared that the World Cup would see Liverpool add an extra 50 million onto uh, Coutinho's transfer fee. Because if you remember, I think Coutinho was worth 101 million in the summer, but now he's worth 142. So clearly a little bit of game time can help. Uh, Coutinho's advantages, as I said before, are he's really good in the middle third and the final third of the pitch. So he can play as a 10, he can play as a winger, and he can play as a dynamic central midfielder. A winger? Yeah, I think he, he can play in on the one of the tips of the spear no, in the 4-3-3. He, he, can't, he can't play as a winger, he can't. But carry on, okay. carry on. Okay, uh, but it seems from recent writings and general consensus on the transfer deal, Coutinho's been brought in to be the heir apparent to Andres Iniesta, which makes the signing doubly interesting because obviously Coutinho is cup-tied, so he can't play in the Champions League. So my assumption now is, with Usman Dembele coming back to full fitness as well, Messi still playing fantastic football, my belief is Coutinho is going to take over league duties for Iniesta, 
for Barcelona, and now you're going to have Andre Iniesta essentially encased in bubble wrap for Champions League games, which means Barcelona are going to be looking pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay, so this this is my only thing with your big prediction of 2018. Mm-hmm. The team with Messi in it, the team with Dembele in it, the team with Suarez in it, the team with Busquets and Iniesta, they're going to win the Champions League. Is that like a big prediction? Considering how, how well they're doing in La Liga? It's not, it's not that big a like that's I think they could win the treble. It's not that big a predict. They are favorites. <laughs> they are favorites think, for that flipping title. I think if you talk to if you went into the average uh football watching pub, I would I wouldn't I don't don't believe many people would think Barcelona are, are it's number one favorite. You 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 don't <laughs> ask guys their views from a pub, come on. It's it's one of the number one places people watch football. Okay, but like who are people saying like in general? I think Manchester City now are leading candidates to win the Champions League. In a weird way, Real Madrid's failure to mount a good La Liga challenge also puts them in good stead for winning the Champions League. If you read in some quarters, Manchester United are being touted as a dark horse for similar reasons of they can't quite win the league. So Mourinho might just go all in and play his low box style of football, which is very effective in knockout tournaments. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I just wouldn't say that Barcelona winning is like so would be a big surprise. Because they have the best player in the world, and it's Barcelona. But, you know, I'll give you credit in that before the knockout round starts, and there's still 16 teams left, Yeah, you know, not, knockout competitions are still a bit of a, a lottery in that way. So I guess it, it's, a, it's a prediction. I don't know how big it is, though. I think if you go into many bookies, you could probably get better odds on Manchester City, PSG, and possibly Bayern winning the Champions League ahead of Barcelona. Bayern? But- Bayern, yeah, I think Bayern. I think I think it's I think I think if you tried getting odds a week ago before this Coutinho deal went through, I think you could probably got better odds on Bayern in the Champions League than Barcelona. Hmm. But that also may say something about how we view Spanish football in this country. And also, I will give you credit in this that well, I guess if if you compare it to PSG or Real Madrid, this isn't really a question because that's a way harder tie to get through. But Barcelona didn't get an easy tie. I think they'll pass Chelsea. But that's not the easiest thing they could have gotten. Have you have tried. you seen how how, how Morata has has been playing? Uh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, no no no, that's what I'm saying. Because it's like it's not an easy tie. Morata <laughs> probably missed his birth. I don't even know how how he even still exists. So. Oi oi gay Ah, he didn't miss his birth. No, but still, like I'm I'm having withdrawal still from that performance. Like that, hey, three one on ones. And then a, like a half chance, so like three and a possible. <laughs> Man, shout out to Abdul of the FT podcast. Um, even though you know, half hoping him we're having a little beef about Zidane in the at the moment, but he told me in the summer Morata's finishing is suspect, and I was like, nah, he's good. And then like we saw the headers that he was getting, and I was like, ah, Abdul's just talking rubbish because he's mad he left Madrid. Abdul, you were right. His finishing is woeful, man. Um, and it, it's it's his finishing when he has time to think about it. Henri made a very good point. He said that the hardest thing for a striker to finish is when he has a lot of time, which makes mm. a lot of sense. Like heading, that's more instinctive. Like the yeah. ball comes, you head it on goal. There's not that much time to think because the ball's not in the air that long. When you're running one-on-one on goal and Petr Cech is coming out and it's just you and him, do I put it near post? Do I put it far post? Do I go around him? Do I use power? Do I chip him? Like there's so many things that you can think about. And I think that gets in his head. And then he's such a confidence player that if he misses one chance, that affects the next one. Um, whereas someone like Cavani, for instance, Cavani gets so many chances, but you know his mentality is, "I'm gonna make the next one. I'm gonna make the next one." So he just shoots and shoots and shoots until he scores because you know a miss doesn't affect his mentality in that way. But Morata, it does. I remember I was reading something about Buffon at, at Juventus. Morata was crying like in in the dressing room, like he's a very emotional guy. And Buffon was telling Morata, like, don't cry here. Like, go home and cry if you have to cry. So, like, he's a he's an emotional guy. Um, and I think that definitely affects his finishing when he has time to think. But, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm going through. Uh, I, st- I haven't reached acceptance yet. All right. That's a nice little diversion. Dan, yeah. what is your uh, prediction for 2018? Okay. I will save my World Cup. I already gave my World Cup prediction. So, I don't think that would be. And plus, that's not a big one. Something I think that could happen that no one expects. I think Arsene Wenger... Oh, no! 
<laughs> you stole mine. You stole mine. Oh my god! How could you steal? Oh, you bastard, man. We've been doing this too long. We think alike. I think Arsene Wenger will leave Arsenal at the end of the season. <laughs> oh really? I I think the pressure will get to him. I I, I think they're gonna miss top four. I think they're not gonna win a trophy because I think either Manchester City or Chelsea will win the League Cup. You know, they're already out of the FA Cup that we saw. <laughs> they lost to, you know, Nottingham Forest B team. Theo Walcott is garbage. <laughs> it's the hair. He, like, he, he messed with his own magic. I don't know what his hair is. Yeah, I just, I, I feel like th- it's going to come to a head. I feel like this is the time where Arsene Wenger is going to decide. I love the club so much. It, he, he's going to make it seem like a sacrifice on himself. I love the club so much that I feel like I've taken it as far as it can go. And that's my big prediction. That's what I think could happen in, in 2018. I feel like we'll see the end of, of the Wenger era at Arsenal. I still can't see him. I don't see him. There's an article on, I quote this website, like every three podcasts, Football 365. Uh, they say he's going to have to be pushed. And I really think that. I, and I've said this before. What else does Wenger do when he retires? He's got more money than Adam. Who's Adam? It's like a phrase. I don't know you from Adam. It's just a generic name. Why can't Olatunde be an, a generic name? What does that have to be Adam? <laughs> That's a real good point, Hope. Uh, he's got more money than most people ever associated with football. And he hasn't got any particular hobbies outside of football. So I think... I just solved and- it, Carl. Carl, I just solved it. I, I just solved it. Now, my World Cup prediction is France were going to win the World Cup, right? Suppose yep. Deschamps just screws everything up. Suppose the French... Football Federation decides, like, yo, let's go for Wenger to coach the French national team for the 2020 Euros and the 2022 World Cup. That's what happens. Wenger leaves Arsenal and goes to the French national team. That's what happens. That's how he leaves. That makes sense. Uh, that's, I must that, admit that makes a lot of sense. That's, man. that's because that's the only way he's going to leave Arsenal is for the French national team. Because there's there's four ways he leaves Arsenal. He leaves to retire and, and goes to the boardroom. He goes to coach France. He gets sacked or he dies in office. Damn. I don't want to speak this into existence. But... <laughs> no, no, no. Carl, hold yeah, on. yeah. He's like, what is he, 70? Like, if he dies, it could be of like just natural causes at this point. Fort management's um, hard and clearly he's addicted to the rush. But that's that. I will say it, the longer this season goes on, the more baffling it is that Wenger didn't retire. It was the perfect way to leave after winning the FA Cup last season. And then you've got the increasing likelihood that uh, Sanchez and Ozu are leaving. It's getting messy, and yet, and yet, I wouldn't be surprised if we're having this exact same conversation in 2019. Wenger's still in charge. <laughs> Arsenal are in fifth place. Theo Walcott's still there for some reason. Um, we're talking about what's going on with Jack Wilshere, if he can remain fit. Welbeck still plays football. <laughs> when we talked less, was Mugabe in office? You did make a joke about... Okay, it being uh, weird just... that Wenger has outlived Mugabe. <laughs> okay. All right. Have hope. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I stole your point. Hope, do you have a new one? What's your prediction? So basically, I have two. So I'm going to say one was similar to Dan's, but I said that Wenger is probably going to leave before the end of the season. Mm. But since Dan bloody went into my head and stole my ideas, thief, bloody Ugandans, um, <laughs> Cristiano. I believe that his time at Real Madrid is up and at the end of the season, he's going to leave Real Madrid and that's going to be the big story because it, because I, I see a trend of massive transfers happening. You saw the, the Neymar one, the Coutinho one, and we're going to have the Cristina one. So Cristina is going to leave Real Madrid. Where he goes to, I don't know. Like it, he can't there, help himself. There is Where, so much. There, it makes me so uncomfortable. Oh, okay, like, sorry, Carl. I, I apologize. I take it back. I take it back. Where Christina goes at the end of the season, I don't know. But Christina is definitely leaving Real Madrid at the end of the season. Well, no, not definitely, but that is my okay. bold prediction. Okay, let's let's kind of explore this. If he goes, I've I've seen links with Chelsea today, but from the Express. So let's not even pay attention to that. There's two clubs, right? He can go back to United or he can go back to Sporting. Which one do you think makes more sense? PSG. You can always still go to PSG. PSG, that's interesting. You, you know what? Okay. Uh, I remember when Raj Baines was on the podcast. Shout out to... Yo, 
actually, shout out to all the people that were on the podcast in, in 2017. Who do we have? We had Raj Baines. We had Paul. He's off Twitter. I'm very sad about that. He's like our <clears throat> best guest. Yeah, very sad, man. Yeah, shout out to Steve Tudor. Shout out to Tom Victor. We had Priya Ramesh on. I'm going to forget somebody. We had James McNicholas on. We had... Who else? There's somebody I'm forgetting. Spurs XY. Spurs XY. That's who mm. we have. So, yeah, shout out to all you guys for coming on the podcast in 2017. Hopefully in 2018 we can get some some other people or some same people that we've had on. But, yeah, shout out to everybody who's been on. And, shout and out been to Mike Goodman as well. Mike Goodman, yeah. Um, yeah, so just thank you to everybody who's who's who's, who's been on the podcast last year. With it, it meant a lot and it means a lot. Um, but we had Raj Bates on the podcast who does Rule the Roost podcast. Um, if you're a Spurs fan, you might want to listen to that. And uh, he he said, if I remember correctly, that he thinks sponsorships or like uh, Nike and Adidas have influence in these transfers. And if we see what you know what happened with Coutinho, where Nike France kind of leaked out that Coutinho was going to move, and people were like, oh, I don't believe it, but it was actually true. Can Ronaldo move to somewhere like United, and he's and he's a Nike guy? So wouldn't it make more sense for him to go to PSG because it's Nike Real with Nike? Real Madrid is adidas so i know i know so if he's moving wouldn't it make more sense that he goes to a nike club ish so raj baines's point was obviously adidas are going to want to get delhi alley out of spurs because nike not only do nike make tottenham hotspurs kids when nike will be permanently advertised on tottenham hotspurs new stadium i don't think that'll be a potential stumbling block between cristiano and our going somewhere it's not quite as hardline now you got to bear in mind cristiano ronaldo is a brand within himself He's, 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 he's the most popular player in the world, so... Yeah. Okay. It will do. Uh, I think that the thing... Underwear the thing model. Chris, the thing about Chris... <laughs> he, he is also an underwear model as well. Right. That's, now, I, I feel uneasy about making jokes about Cristiano being girly based on how much abuse he gets for his supposed sexuality, shall I say. So it makes me uneasy when you call him Christina. The... Big stumbling block with Cristiano Ronaldo is his wages because Cristiano Ronaldo is 32. He's going to be 33 this year, if I recall correctly. We have Google. Oh, shit. We have Siri. Siri, how old is Cristiano Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo is 32 years old. Oh, my God. Wow. I've never had Siri been used before. That's amazing. It was actually efficient. I thought she was going to give me the age of, like, Brazilian Ronaldo, which is why I made sure to say Cristiano yeah. Cristiano, oh, wow. he's 32 right now. He will turn 33. Oh, Apple's going to sue us. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. Wow, Siri, man. But it's not It's not going to convince me to leave Android. Apple is evil. <laughs> Carl, finish your point. He will turn 33, but, and, but also he will command wages to the tune of 300,000 a week plus. And, you know, Manchester United are already playing paying someone in their 30s a lot of money like just, like, like just in terms of lifestyle wouldn't it wouldn't paris make more sense or going actually going back home to to sporting it's it's I too mean, early for him to, to to go go back home i think what makes sense i mean psg does make the most sense marketing wait, business wise wait 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 psg MLS. aren't gonna have enough money psg aren't gonna have because they're already gonna spend 160 on mbappe this yep. summer from because yep. because that monaco loan is gonna trigger this summer so yep. can you buy two big players like that? No. And and it be okay with FFP? I don't know. Oh, who cares about FFP? Those guys are clowns, man. I'm just there saying. Is, there is there is also the back door, which is MLS. Which MLS? Is, are you are you crazy? What? Which so which leads me to believe Cristiano Ronaldo will most likely stay at Real Madrid because also why would he leave? He's got everything he needs there. He's the main man. I want the biggest clubs. He'll probably be getting a brand new manager soon. He will most likely be given a shiny new toy as an attacking talent in someone. The in, number yeah. 10 for Chelsea, you mean? Uh, in someone. It just, <laughs> look, just, look, this is just how football works. Real Madrid are, are, are going to be way off the pace of La Liga this year. They sold a lot of their fringe talents. They got rid of a lot of squad depth. And all signs point to Real Madrid spending $150 million to show that they're still the big boys, right? I think they, they're going to look at Kane. I think they're going to look at Hazard. Yeah, they're gonna get. They're going to get someone. You're gonna have your Eden Hazard, which is already like a good, a great generational talent who is a known quantity already. And you've got, then you're gonna have your Hammers Rodriguez, which is a player that has four great games in the World Cup, and everyone's gonna be talking about. And that's gonna be your forty to sixty million deal. 
you can see like someone like Nang- Nangolin, the Roma central midfielder. Mm-hmm. You could maybe see him helping Belgium get to a court or a semi-final at the World Cup and then going to Real Madrid. I think it's less likely Cristiano Ronaldo will leave and more likely Real Madrid will spend upwards of 250 million in the transfer window after the World Cup. <laughs> so Barcelona win the Champions League, Wenger leaves and Ronaldo leaves. Let's let's look at some questions cuz I'm sure people have thought of some things I wanted to to talk about. Just kind of going in on this Coutinho thing. This is from at other Anthony do Barca really need Coutinho? What happened to Polinho? Bit harsh, no. He's the league's top scoring midfield slash attacker. Yeah, so his question is, do Barca need Coutinho? And how does this affect Paulinho? Yes, they need Coutinho and nothing affects Paulinho. He's there to be an if and all for Iniesta or Dembele. Because De Lefeu is 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 a piece of crap. And <laughs> Denis Suarez is, I don't even know who that dude is, so... Can you spend a little segment towards the end of this podcast giving me your updates on Brick Academy? I saw over Christmas you updated it slightly. You had some new people on the classification and you rejigged it. So in a, a little bit later, instead in of instead of recommended reads, I just want to update Brick Academy. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, Pack Mouse, <laughs> Carly, not going to like this. Uh, I, I will skip the overrated part. Is, is Coutinho overpriced? And who should Liverpool sign with the money they receive? Now, this is what I was going to get to when Carl brought up this. All of these transfers stem from the state-funded Qatari move for Neymar. They gave him the money. He paid his release clause. He went to PSG. Now, all of these transfers, whether it's Dembele, whether it's Van Dijk, whether it's Coutinho, whether it's Keita, perhaps, maybe. But all of those root in the Neymar transfer, right? So Neymar's transfer was so big that... Each, each club who's trying to buy a player from a club as a replacement knows that the club they're asking to buy the player from has money rooted in that deal. And I think that people who think is Coutinho overpriced, yes, in the general market, I don't think Coutinho was worth $142 million, But he's worth $142 million going from Liverpool to Barcelona because of what Liverpool know about Barcelona's financial situation. Which is why the price doesn't really matter. Forget about what, by thinking about this in normal terms, we're not living in normal terms, Neymar tips the, the, the scale. That Neymar transfer changed everything. In what flipping world is Dembele worth over 100 million? That doesn't make any sense. But more to what Dan was saying, because of the Barcelona dealing with Neymar, there is no way in hell Liverpool are going to sell Coutinho for anything less than 120 or 130 mil. They could have probably even pushed it to within 160. So the 140 thing makes sense because of the markets we're living in. And also, um, Barcelona, we know that you've got that cake based off what you sold see, Neymar but see, for. But see, watch. I, I don't think, then I, I could be wrong, right? I don't think that this is going to drastically affect the market for other clubs. It's I, well. think it's, I think it's going to be primarily just the lifespan of that transfer that has these crazy transfer fees. So like Van Dyke isn't worth 75 million. But he is because Liverpool know that they're getting money um, from from, from so the Coutinho deal. My counterpoint to that is we had Lukaku go for 75 million. We've had Murata go for 58 million. In the last summer we've repeatedly seen massive sums being spent, you know. Jibre. Man City. Thank you. Man City made that jibe at Pep Guardiola that he's spending more money on fullbacks than you would normally spend on strikers. I Carl think those Walker are just Co- natural progressions, though. I, I feel like the, the Neymar stuff, 222 million euros, 142 for Coutinho, 100 for Dembele, 75 what? for Van Dijk. I feel like those, the, the root cause is the Neymar deal because yes. there's all this Qatari cash out here. But, but for yeah. Man City, I think that's just normal business. That's, that's like different oil cash, isn't it, for Man City? I mean, yeah, let's do it. I'm going to, one of our recommended reads this week will be a piece on the ringer about the Coutinho deal. Uh, and it looks at one of the London School of Economics, I believe. And it essentially works out that the argument they state is once a summer, a big club will make what they call a big signing. And that big signing basically works out to 20% of their annual revenue. So when Rio Fernand went to Manchester United for 21 million, that was roughly that as a percentage. Uh, and like that's like you get a big signing where a club goes right. We earn this much money, spend twenty percent of it on a player, and that's roughly what Coutinho is because because Coutinho was always the number one Barca 
signing. He was the number one target. Dembele was a slightly expensive side the side you know show, uh, but Coutinho was always the guy. And for 142 million, based on what Coutinho can do, and based on the amount of positions Coutinho can play in, and based on the fact they want Coutinho to be the Iniesta replacement, 142 million is fine. And like, we've we've spoken about this before in the podcast. 142 million is 20 percent of what Barcelona make in a year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nowadays I think Barcelona make loads of money. So yeah, times super- 142 by five. That's a lot of money. That's how big football clubs are now, man. All right. Uh, I, I don't know. I just wondered if the article said it. So, uh, it, it basically works out to like, yeah, the name deal is particularly odd because PSG don't bring in that much money because the French league is not the commercial target that so many other leagues are right now. Right? Based on my job right now, uh, my job involves me being sat next to a lot of people doing deals involving the Premier League and the Champions League and some of the numbers I hear quoted are ridiculous trust me um so it, it is Coutinho overpriced uh, as I said before involving the Carl Walker deal we don't know yet because we don't know what 142 million worth of football player gets like this is the new normal uh, and we mentioned this with the Paul Pogba deal when everyone's saying oh 89 million for Paul Pogba is ridiculous like we don't know it is impossible to give 89 million worth of production in one season see, much see. in the same way it's impossible to get 102 142 million worth of production mm. in one season this Coutinho deal you're buying Coutinho's about to enter his prime Siri how old is Philip Coutinho <laughs> Siri how old is Philippe Coutinho oh shit it knew according to my sources Philippe Coutinho was 25 years old so he's 25 years old. He's about to enter the prime of his career. You're going to get at least a decade of top production with him. And maybe three to four years of that production will be on the, the tutelage of Lino Messi. And probably a couple of years with Iniesta, which can't hurt. And a couple of years with Iniesta. All right, but, but, this but, is... but, but, okay, but don't, don't you guys think that the Paul Pogba deal is still what the actual market is? No, because it's not. It has to be. Okay, okay, okay. Not, I don't, I, Dan, I, I don't agree with it. Like, it make a lot more sense if we're still, if no one has broken a hundred million. But Kylian Mbappe is about to go to PSG for over a hundred million based on one season's worth of production for Monaco. Alvaro Morata went to Chelsea for fifty-eight million based on like three seasons the bit part striker for Juventus and Real Madrid. This has been slowly coming for a long time, and it is just, it was just an incredibly pronounced selling Neymar that I still, I'm still not used to and it's completely changed everything. And the thing about Neymar deal is we will not be able to properly look at and deal and digest with the Neymar deal until a decade after it's done, until a decade after Neymar's been playing for PSG and maybe won them a couple of Champions Leagues. The thing about the Neymar deal is it's not about what he can do on the... It's like part of it is what he can do on the pitch and also part of what he can do to sell League on. Like if League on starts being shown more in UK pubs because of Neymar, then the Neymar deal is worth that money. That's like the added thing. Like more people are going to watch French football because Neymar and Mbappe play there. And like if you look at BT subscriber numbers, they're going up because they have League One in the UK. So that's that. Uh, if you want to look at what Coutinho is going to do, again, it like it kickstarts a new age of Barcelona. So the age of Piquet, Puyol, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, is going away and then you're now going to have your you know what was meant to be the age of Neymar isn't going to happen so now you've got the age of Coutinho and possibly Usman Dembele and we don't know what that looks like do you know that's going to take five years to come come to fruition as well I agree I agree and we have no idea what the market's going to look like in five years so maybe these deals will all look small who knows um my point is and I just thought of this and I probably should write this out that way it's it's fully fleshed out but I think we look at the market as this is the market. The market is one thing. And what happens over here dictates what happens over there and everything works together as one just big group. The market is the market, right? What I'm starting to think is, as, as you say, one big club makes a transfer, right? So this one, like the, the base of this one is Neymar for 222. And then each transfer after that, subsequent to that, has an effect because mm-hmm. of what because of what that number was. So each club is dictated by what preceded it in terms of like what happened with that big transfer. I feel like 
and we could probably sort this out if we look at like whether it's Neymar, like this summer when Mbappe goes, we'll see what Monaco do with the money and then where that goes. The market isn't one thing. I feel like there's a bunch of individual markets based on each club's interaction with the one it's trying to buy from and where they think they get their cash from and where we got our cash from. Mm -hmm. So basically, I don't know if Chelsea would look at the Neymar deal, the Mbappe deal, the Coutinho deal, and quote Real Madrid, yo, if he's worth this much, then we want 200 million euros or whatever it is. But they that's absolutely the- should do. I'm, I'm with Carl on this, man. The last World Cup season, so in 2014, if Real Madrid wanted to buy Eden Hazard, he would have been worth 60 million because Gareth Bell cost 85 million and Hazard was quite young and he was approaching this age. Whereas now, if Real Madrid want to buy Eden Hazard, He's a hundred million minimum, right? But that won't affect Southampton trying to buy someone from Leicester, or it that will. won't affect. It will. No, no, it will. No, no, no. Let me let me just chime in very quickly because I think you're both right, but it's how you're viewing it. I think Dan, you're right, but you're viewing it in very black and white terms. You are right. Like logically, what he says is right, as in they are different individual markets based on how the money works. But the way markets works. It's a bit more complex than that because it's about perception. You see it with stock markets and with everything. Is Once a certain thing happens, it's a ripple effect on a psychological, perceptive way. So the very fact that that Neymar deal happened, the perception of how players are viewed and how they are valued has a knock-on effect. I agree. Because that has really sort of dictated... Because the highest price that is paid for a player permeates within the rest of the markets and everybody reacts to that because the market has now taken a different shape and, and characteristic. So, which is what Carl is trying to say is that that Neymar deal now will will have ripple effects on all different clubs in different ways because everything will not be... So, with, with Hazard now, if you're Chelsea, because that Neymar deal happened, because that money was put down, your, your quotation... Is going to be different because you have to say, wait a minute, that's Neymar's value. Eden Hazard's value is this much behind Neymar. Therefore, this is the price we're going to put to him based on the value that was paid for name Neymar. That's how it's going to work. Of course, of course. But do you think that affects every sector of the market? Is what I'm saying. I I I I feel like it would only affect Chelsea because Chelsea would get the 200 million from Real Madrid. And I then think, if, if I think you're and, looking and then, at this. No, 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 watch. Okay. Riyad Mahrez is worth 45 million right now. Allegedly. He was worth supposedly. 23. He was worth 23 last, at the start of last season. Right. Okay. But Riyad Mahrez is worth 45. Let's, let's just say yeah, for 2018, yeah, Riyad worth, Mahrez is worth, worth 45 million. Worth right. Yeah. Now, Chelsea want to replace Eden Hazard with Riyad Mahrez. Drop off, but cool enough. I'd take it. Leicester know that Chelsea just got 200 million for Eden Hazard. You think the price is still going to be 45? No, no, no. no. See, see, Dan, you're you're looking at it the wrong way because you're looking at it based off, well, they got money from that, so therefore, no, that's the wrong way to look at it. You have to look at the markets as a whole. Like, different clubs have different markets. Let's use this Coutinho transfer as a one thing. So everyone now believes Liverpool have 142 million burning in their back pocket from the Coutinho deal. If Liverpool want to buy a player, they're going to go, well, you've got XYZ money from the Barcelona deal, give me some. However, Liverpool's already spent that money. They spent 75 million on Virgil van Dijk. They're going to spend 66 million on Naby Keita. Conceivably, that money's already gone. Um, 40 million on Chamberlain. And 40 million on Chamberlain, which which now looks more sensible. I did say it was slightly odd they spent the money on Chamberlain now rather than wait until he was free. But if Coutinho is going, all you now do is get Chamberlain early and then possibly get Riyad Mahrez or you possibly get someone like uh, Lucas Moria or Draxler from PSG. Who? So th- those are my selections for who Liverpool should buy right now. I think your centre midfield is covered with Oxlade Chamberlain for the next six months, and then you go out and buy one of Myers, Draxler, or Lucas Moura. You um, don't. Oh, have hope. Do you rate Lucas? Very much so. Okay. Very much. I've never heard you. Like on the he, he, he just had a bad deal with the whole PSG thing, but I, there's a very good player there that's just in a bad situation at PSG. Anyway, sorry, Uh, go And also, you know, you got to bear in mind that Liverpool are going to have Adam Lallana return. And Lallana is very important to that Liverpool system when he comes back. Uh, If I'm a Liverpool, if I'm, you know, my advice to Liverpool is 
like have faith in Oxley Chamberlain and Alana and try and keep Jordan Henderson out of your starting lineup. It feels weird, but he's no longer fit for purpose for what you guys want to do. So there, there is. You do get this argument that uh, a team will spend, will have to start spending five or ten million more because other clubs know they've got more money in their back pocket. But there are also other things that affect the market. It's not just oh, you have a lot of money. It's also what is in vogue right now. You know, a lot of teams are going to be spending a lot of money on fullbacks because everyone now wants to play three at the back with wingbacks. You know, now Luke Shaw is worth more money than he was back in the day where he was just a left back and could only play left back in a back four. Now he might have some interest as a wing back. Now Danny Rose, Danny Rose has gone from being a 30 million fullback to being worth a 50 million, 60 million fullback because now we need wing backs and we know Danny Rose can do the job. And it was similar with Kyle Walker. There's more than more than one thing affects the market. There's a great read about this on, on the Guardian about what Manchester City are doing because football, thinking of football as a business is inherently... It like overlooks the fact that football clubs are inherently badly run businesses because there is no longevity in upper management staff because the rate for success and failure is so thin. Your customer base is highly uh, emotional about something. So if you are a customer for Manchester United, you are highly unlikely to you know spend some of your customer money on products from Manchester City, despite how similar they may be. Unlike, you know, you can buy an Apple laptop and have an Android phone, but that's not going to happen in football. Um, so don't think of football as a, line, as a linear business because most business people look at what's going on in football and go, what on earth are you doing? This is a terrible way to run a business. A great case in point was what happened to Ed Woodward when he first came to Manchester United, where he was terrible in his first transfer window and he's only now beginning to learn how it works. And even then, he's still pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so that's all we've got to say about that. Next question. Okay, next next question. Um, I, I want to save the good one for last. So we're going to try to run through these pretty quickly so we can leave ourselves with some time, all right? This is from Global Sports Commentator at the official GSC. Um, what do the USA need to do to be taken seriously in international competition? I'm sure we've done a podcast on that before. I, I wouldn't know which number. Or which no, 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 no. We would definitely have about it, it just um, takes school systems and stuff. You know, you know what they 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 need to remove. If this is my simple answer, uh, they need to remove the college system, which is good, difficult, but this it could happen. It's conceivable. Remove the college system and let clubs have their own academies and train players from three, five, seven, eight years old. Um, the the sport in America is a rich person sport, so you need to get players who. Come just come from who aren't just upper class, upper middle class white people, like but like you need to enlarge in the pool of players that you pick from, because um, America's a diverse nation. But if you exclude black people, uh, Latino people, you're reducing the capacity your nation has to be good in a way. Um, okay. The problem with the United States on the international scene is their their testing ground for bedding in young talent is the MLS, and MLS is a weak league. I watched the MLS Cup final between Toronto FC and Seattle Sounders and I was astounded by the amount of space and the quality of the football there. When you've got Michael Bradley and if when the winning goal in your championship game is being scored by Josie Altador, a striker who wasn't fit for purpose for Sunderland, you have a problem. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, next question. Um, <laughs> this is from Forza Macaroni. How many football games do you each of you watch per week on average? I watch... I watch at least four games on Saturday, so around six or seven, if there's midweek football. Probably about maybe four or five. I mean, I, I try and do a bit Bundesliga, a bit Premiership, a bit serious. So I try and spread the love around a little bit. Carl, how, 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 many, how, many, how many games of football do you watch? I'm lucky to get one. Wow. Uh, it changes, you know, uh, I, I now, now I live with Kevin Byrne. Uh, shout out for you two appearing on our podcast last year as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now I live with Kevin Byrne. We've got Sky Sports and BT Sport in the house. So I can often get some of the 12.30 game on a Saturday or the 5.30 game on a Saturday or a Sunday game in if I wish. But uh, yeah, I often watch maybe if I'm, I'm if I'm in a lucky and I've had some time, I can watch one game a week. Uh, this changes when the Champions League comes around. So I tend to watch maybe one Champions League game and one game on the weekend. But You guys yeah. don't record games. No, 
no. I can't. Oh, see, I, I, that, that, I cheat in a way because like I, I will record a game and then go back and watch it. Live games instead of six, I might watch like three. Like definitely two on Saturday. And then if there's one on Sunday that I feel like watching, I'll watch it. No, uh, you cannot watch a Premier League game that kicks off at three o'clock on a Saturday live because of a blackout that is set, meant to promote people to go to the football stadium. Uh, I still haven't been to a live game. What was the last? The last game I watched live was... This is really bad. The last game I watched live was the uh, Euro 2016 semi-final between Wales and Portugal. So I haven't seen a live game in a while. Uh, I'm planning, I'm hopefully planning to watch a game, uh, a Tottenham Hotspur game at Wembley before they leave Wembley. So that's that's one of my goals for this year. Supersport is like a South African channel that's obviously in Nigeria as well. Like their football coverage is incredible. So 3 p.m. on a Saturday, they have every single game televised from the Premier League. So literally you can choose, because they've got about seven, eight channels. So you can choose any Premier League game you want to watch at that 3 p.m. You're just making people jealous. No, 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 it's crazy because they show Serie La Liga as well. Their coverage is crazy. And even their channels, literally, there's football shows all through the day. It's crazy. See, things are better in Africa, guys. Um, I will say, you know, I try and watch as much highlights as I can. And uh, I seem to be the designated reader of the group as well. So I think I make up for it. I make up for I make up for what I miss by watching life or by watching highlights and reading everything I can. This question, it's not really a question; it's more of a, a critique uh, from Savion the Great, bruh. Y'all talk about Arsenal every week, but won't sniff the most competitive league this season, Serie A. Facts, all caps. But y'all talk about City, Bayern, and PSG, who are all like ten points ahead. Y'all need to look at the potential two point difference between first and fourth place. So we've been scolded. Actually, but did you know the, the, the funny thing? I, I actually think he probably has that your same voice because the way that you read it, I, I actually think that's I was probably how he it, speaks. Like I thought he wrote it. Like it's very uh. <laughs> it was spelled. He didn't spell the like T H E. It was D A. So, uh, but yeah, um, have hope. For- Juventus are Juventus are winning it. Napoli are not going to win it. Inter Milan have finally gotten founders. It was a nice honeymoon. Roma don't really have enough of a cutting edge. Lazio are really there, but they're focused on the Europa League. At the end of the day, Napoli will push and shove. Juventus will have the marathon and the longevity to eventually last them out and win it for the 18th time in a row. Uh, uh, it'll be the seventh, I believe. We did we did tease this before. I did say that I did say on I think maybe the last time I recorded that it looks as if once again many of the title races have finished. Um, the interesting thing about Serie A, obviously you've got Napoli at top with 51 points. So they're one ahead of Juventus on 50. Uh, Inter were doing quite well, but Inter's main strength is Marco, is Icardi, who's basically, you know, outside of Messi and Ronaldo, he's one of the best out and out. No, outside Ronaldo and Suarez, I should say. He's perhaps one of the best number nines alongside Harry Kane, perhaps. Um, Lewandowski? Sorry, forgive, forgive me. Lewandowski is always up there. Um, but the problem with the inter-squad is the inter-squad is threadbare and really poor in other places outside of Cardi. Very uh, poor. I think, was, I think there was a report recently where it was one of the higher-ups at Inter Milan who said words to the, essentially to the effect of Jao Mario is one of the worst places he's ever seen. Um, <laughs> so. No, no but, but, but they have Pastore. I think, I think that they got Pastore from PSG. Which is a oh, very good sign. Good, good very good sign. Uh, Lazio okay, are guys. playing some interesting. Guys, I want to get to Mourinho and Kante fighting. Okay, I don't so care about those. Two. I, I'm going no, to right. these get, Hurry up! Hurry up! We will talk about uh, Serie A soon. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry, dude. I know you scolded us for this and that, but there's beef going on, and I want to get to it. Um, do you think this is from Gianluca Di Mio? Di Mio. I don't speak Italian. Apologies. Do you think Wenger is on the decline? Yes. When would you say it started? After they went invincible. <laughs> um, yeah, this is much. from Mac Davidson KK. Which is more important? Tactically good players or confident players? If you're building a team, you need both. He said which is more important. I think I don't care. You need both. Tactically good players are going to be confident players. Confident players might not necessarily be No, no good. not necessarily. A tactical guy is a flipping schoolboy. Okay. He's a teacher's pet. 
A confidence player is a flair player who is going to win you that game. A tactical player necessarily will not to win the game if your tactics are screwed up. Hence why you need both a tactical player and a confidence player for different situations. Uh, this is from Theo Mosby. Is there any hope for Sunderland or Hull City? Right now, it looks like they're boarding the L train to another relegation. So, I know Sunderland are at the bottom of the championship table. Damn. Um, and I feel like Hull are 20-something. Um, so, it doesn't look good for Hull either. Sunderland did get the, the Wales coach, though. Was it Coleman? Chris Coleman? Oh, my God. Chris Coleman, yeah. Chris Coleman in, I, I don't know why he did took that job. Because... <laughs> Um, and he, he, he could have got the Swansea job if he just waited. He could have. Um, he, uh, he was kidding himself. Uh, I don't know if any of you follow Ted Nutson. Nutson with a K-U. He's behind Statsbomb, which is the... I'm not sure if you've seen it on Twitter. He makes uh, essentially statistical analysis and creates uh, statistical radars to show production and whatnot. Uh, and he essentially said at the start of this season, Sunderland are going to get relegated because that squad is a smoking crater. Um, and he also he also predicted that Everton would be quite boring to watch this season as well. So stats aren't the be all and end all, but he, some of his predictions have come off already. He also did say Coutinho would end up being one of the closest you can get to a viable top tier football player, um, which has come to pass. I think Sunderland are definitely going to be doing a Leeds and will end up in League One, League Two before things come about because the, again the squad is broken. There's not much money. Uh, the owner wants to sell but the the assets are dwindling as we speak and how how the great uh snitsky experiment failed there is also tension between their fan base and the owners uh based on the hull city naming convention and whatnot it's a lot sadder for me to see what's going with hull because there there was a very engaged fan base and they did love very. that football club and the allen family seems to have just taken all that goodwill and flushed it down the toilet Whereas with Sunderland, eh, I'm not really sad about Sunderland. Because, <laughs> like, they invited Roy Chubby Brown to do their entertainment, so that's they what you who? get. Chubby Brown is a UK comedian who is banned from appearing on the BBC due to his highly racially charged humour. Hmm. Yeah. What, is, is this like a blackface kind of thing? <laughs> He's dressed as a clown and he has no qualms about dropping and bombs or p-bombs or so i got you yeah uh, fuck that guy <laughs> <laughs> uh from morris basin um at mason boris who is an arsenal fan so uh when a postman doesn't deliver the post he is sacked when a manager doesn't perform he is sacked ironic coming from an arsenal fan therefore, <laughs> therefore why don't referees suffer any consequences after a bad performance the officiating over the christmas period has been a disgrace they do. Referees are assessed, and if a referee is said to not perform in a certain way on one Saturday, then the next Saturday they're often rotated to be the fourth official. So they they definitely do receive punishment. Uh, Graham Paul went from being one of England's top keeper uh, referees to giving a player three yellow cards at World Cup, and then he stopped refereeing big games. Um, obviously, there was a lot of chaos in the Christmas break. There were a lot of interesting penalty decisions and some offside decisions. Uh, and I think it's very interesting the retroactive diving suspension coming as well. Mm. But I think, you know, referees do a really hard job. Wenger made a very interesting comment about how uh, there's only two countries where referees are professional, which is England and France, I think his comment was. And he, he gave words to the effect of England and France are the only places with professional referees and England should be more stringent with refereeing laws. But I'm not one to criticize referees. It's I thought the interesting point he made was that they don't referee enough. Like It's hard. Like I, I remember two seasons ago, the FA and the RF uh, and the RFC, so the rugby uh, football footballing body, essentially had to issue statements at grassroots level saying, could you please stop insulting our referees we're running out of referees so there's a shortage of referees in the united kingdom because no one wants to do this job being a referee is a thankless mike dean job. wants to do it might yeah mike <laughs> dean is a law unto himself such a dick <laughs> no no but like it's just like if mike dean did not referee he literally not have it like, like that's it's his life like he gets an orgasm from just being that referee that's literally controls games like he's that dude he like, is that dude Mike Dean know. is a law unto himself. I will say that the, the the level of refereeing 
in England is very good, and the FA takes improving refereeing very seriously. This is football. You're always going to get something wrong. I mean, we're talking as we're talking right now, a game is being played in the FA Cup third round using VAR. And from what I understand, many football fans don't want VAR until it's proved to be perfect. Like, you're not going to get a perfect refereeing system. I'm mm. sure everyone listening to this has played a game of FIFA. It's been offside and gone, that's bollocks, I wasn't offside. Even even a computer that is programmed to be correct can sometimes get it wrong in FIFA. So it, it's just part and parcel of the game and you will have to enjoy some decisions going your way and some decisions not going your way. I agree. I find it very funny Arsenal fans talking about penalty decisions as if they aren't Burnley fans going, shut up. <laughs> Didn't Koscielny two seasons ago score an offside goal? Burnley have <laughs> at least twice been par done by, par done by late yeah. goals and penalty decisions by Arsenal. So Arsenal fans can talk all they want. Burnley fans will go, shut up. My final point about refereeing is the standard of refereeing can improve, but trust me, no one cares more about improving refereeing standards than referees themselves. Mm. So chill out. Yeah, no one wants abuse. Oh, Mike D wants abuse. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> the question I've been waiting for. Red Devilology asks, do you guys think that Conte started the beef with him and Mourinho last summer when he said he wanted to avoid, quote, a Mourinho season, unquote? Basically, when did this beef start? I think the beef started the moment Conte beat Man United 4-0. Yes, that was the one. I remember, I remember when, when Mourinho whispered in Conte's ear saying that, Bro, you can't celebrate like, like like that. Just chill out. That from that point on, Moon was like, okay, you know, screw screw this dude. So you know, it was wasn't it even before that? No, where where like um, Conte was like complaining a little bit about injuries, and Mourinho, when his like little snides kind of way, was like other managers complain about injuries. We have Pogba out. We have. Carrick out, we have such and such out, but I don't complain. <laughs> I hate Mario. He's so slick because he's like, I-, I have such and such out and XYZ player out, but I don't complain. So basically telling you why like the results aren't going his way. So those little jabs at-, at Conte, I think started it. And then you get Pedro scoring after 30 seconds and then the 4-0 and then you know, um, Mourinho on the touchline being mad. It's all- And also, I think this is rooted... I don't think Mourinho would have gone on with any manager that managed Chelsea after him. Yes. Especially, especially and Conte has, the, the way he shows his his passion um, for football, it breeds the kind of cult of manager that Chelsea fans were attached to Mourinho for. So mm-hmm. he came in and basically did Mourinho with Chelsea fans and almost in two weeks, erased or at least put in the like in in the in the background what Mourinho did at Chelsea. I mean he won three titles with Chelsea and it seems like most Chelsea fans, at least on Twitter and the ones I talk to, are disgusted and hate Mourinho in a way because they're so in love with Conte. So he's taken his club from him in a way. He's taken his club from him and then he beats him and then he's celebrating like a madman on the touchline, which then goes to his quote of like some player or some managers are acting like clowns on the touchline. Um, and that could, I mean, that, that could have been directed at anybody. It could have been directed at Guardiola sometimes. It could have been directed at Klopp. could have been directed at uh, Conte. And the, and the media asked him the question like, it's been suggested that Mourinho was talking about you and Klopp when they talk about clowns. And then Conte gave him, <laughs> he said, he did, he said the uh, dementia senile. Senile, senile. No, no. He 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 said it in Italian because he was struggling to find the word. So he was like, "It's it's dementia senile." It's no 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 no. It's it's it. Trust me. It's it's senile. It's it is senile. I know. I know. Like it it it's. It was funny because the Italian sounds exactly like the English in that way. It sounds like senile dementia. It's just backwards. Um, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, because, like, Mourinho's going to attack because he's never lost a, a media war, I don't think. You know, he, he called Wenger a specialist in failure. That's uh, still he, the uh, rudest thing I've heard. <laughs> he, no, 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 no. no, no, he, no, he, no. He, he called Wenger, like, a flipping voyeur. And yeah, he insulted Benitez's that wife. That, that, he, that she should worry about Benitez's family. <laughs> he's not <laughs> a very nice man. Mar- 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 no, Mourinho... 
Mourinho has no class, which is why I love him. Because he, 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 he's classless. He's classless. And then Mourinho was like, I will never be accused of match fixing. <laughs> I was like, God damn. Ah! Yo, Mourinho's cold, man. Mourinho's <laughs> a cold person, man. You you can't beat him. You can't beat him. Like, all, all Conte could say was he is a little man. He was a little man in the past, the president. He'll be one in the future, whatever you're saying. But you can't beat him. He's too cold. And he'll say anything, which is why he's I gonna knew. He's going to point out the head transplant soon. Guaranteed. He's got to. Oh, man. Jeez. And uh, what's, what, what, what could Conte say to Mourinho to get under his skin? He's going to have to libel him. <laughs> all the good stuff about Mourinho he'd have to libel I did quite enjoy Conte saying alright cool I'll see you on February 8th we have to play each other that's the only thing a person that's like it. Conte can say it's basically because he, he can't beat but him he, with words he'll, he'll beat him up yeah he can't beat him <laughs> with words so the only Wait, thing he has is like well when, when we see each other we're going to have to throw hands like <laughs> that's the energy that, that's that same energy <laughs> That's 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 all he's got. He can't beat him like lyrically, so he's got to beat him fighting. Seriously, do, wait, wait, because you know we're, we're talking about guys who are like in their fifties. Try that. I mean, that's where this world has gone into where we are actually excited about a bunch of fifty-year-olds potentially fighting. I'm ready to see it, especially because Mourinho looked kind of weak when Wenger pushed him around in the technical area. So yep. Conte, I think Conte can get at it. Oh no, 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 no! Conte would would beat the crap out of him. Like oh, Mourinho okay. is that. Mourinho would put probably look. Mourinho poked a guy in the eye, so Mourinho would probably like scratch him <laughs> or bite him. So Mourinho would actually use like dirty tactics. But based on just pure fighting, Conte would beat him up easily. Oh yeah, no question. Oh, yeah, uh, look, sure. Conte is crazy. Like con- look at Conte's face; he looks guy's crazy. <laughs> and that's it's that. it's good. It's good. I'm I'm enjoying it, man. Like uh, a lot of people, are like oh you're you're like Hepo said, you're fifty. People are saying oh you should be more mature and this and that. I'm like yeah, you should. Let no, 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 no. I was playing devil's advocates. I love this. I love. I want them to fight. I love this. So, yeah, like people have been like, "Oh, you should be more mature." Oh, like, shut up! If someone's gonna call out your professional integrity or call, say you have amnesia or dementia, I'm just supposed to not say anything. I'm supposed to take the higher road. Like when they go low, we go high. Uh, uh-uh. uh. Sorry, Michelle. I'm going low. You got to hey, get I'm at him, and it's gonna it's gonna end up in a fight. I can't and- wait. I cannot wait. Uh, yo, in England, they put bets on, like, are they going to shake hands? Can one of you put, like, 20 pounds on they won't shake hands for me? Yeah, all right. I'll do it for you. No worries. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's no way they're shaking hands. No, 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 no. No, they will. Or, or at least Mourinho will offer. No, yeah, Mourinho will offer his hand. Conte won't accept. <laughs> There's no way Conte is shaking Mourinho's hand. No way. Come on. Mourinho's clever. He'll know. Like, if I offer to shake hands, he won't do it. And I'll look like the good guy. He's 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 a piece of work, man. You know, as a Chelsea fan, this puts me in a hard position because I don't know who to back. I mean, I should back Conte, obviously, but Mourinho's given me more pleasure than any manager ever. So I still have an affinity towards this man, even though he is a dick. <laughs> so I'm 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 gonna enjoy it. I'm not gonna like take sides or anything like that. I'm just gonna you know enjoy it because Mourinho can't beef with Wenger anymore. I guess he's just decided he's not good food. Uh, you, he, he, he he can't say anything. He can't say anything to Pep. No way, he can't. No. Look at the table, bro. So the only person he can beef with is Conte, and it. I'm I'm gonna enjoy. It, so Brick Academy update. That's what I want. All right, let's bring this up, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 happy that you're you're a fan of what Maratha I think. Better is... be in class eight. Oh, could you please outline what Brick Academy is and how it works very quickly. So basically, the Brick Academy, it's an academy where players who are performing like crap are put into the academy, so they're given a, a spotlight for their crap to displays. The intention of the Brick Academy are for these players to realize that they're crap, go through the Brick Academy crash course, and eventually lead to a suspension by playing better, and if they continue playing better, they then get expelled from the Brick Academy. But once they do badly again, they come straight back in. And it is broken up into classes. So class C... Class B, Class A. So the worst of the worst are those in Class A. And then there are people who get put under review where you're not quite in the Brick Academy, but you're being, you're playing bad, but not bad enough to be fully inducted, which means that you're currently under review. So the players currently under review for the Brick Academy are Alvaro Morata, Zinedine Zidane, 
retroactive. Jose Mourinho still because he's been acting a bit funny. Ande Herrera. <laughs> and those are the guys currently under review. Now, suspensions currently are Higain, Giru, who's been suspended for like the last like 10 years. So those are the two who's been suspended. Class C, we have Gary Cahill, Sissoko, <laughs> who should actually be Class B, by the way, and Monreal. Mm-hmm. And Torres. Oh no 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 no! Monreal's been playing well for Arsenal this season. His his class. Okay, he might be suspended, but he's his class C. Class B. We have Wenger, Cristiano Ronaldo. Wow, huge. Koscielny, Delufeu, Kevin Gamero. So and class A, Karim Benzema, Lukaku, <laughs> Lovren, <Ouch>. Oscar, and <laughs> Jansen. And Rafinha. Okay, all right. Bayern, and that's the Bayern Nick Rafinha, not, not, not the Barcelona Rafinha. Why is okay. Oscar still in the in Class A? He's in Look, China. He was so bad for Chelsea, and he had the cheek to move to China that I think he may become an honorary member. So he may become an alumni, which means that he's he's there for, for life. So. Do, do you know Ronaldo only has, in, in La Liga, he's played 13 games, only has four goals? Yep. He's gonna come good again, and it's going. He's going to start raining goals. The underlying stats behind his shot selection mean he's gonna come good very soon. I mean, in Champions League, he has nine goals and six. So yeah, that, that makes his overall season look better. But in La Liga, he's not. He's not firing. It's just it's a glitch in his shooting. He's taking a lot of shots that, by all means, should be going in, but then okay. Not so, Carl, do you, oh, sorry. Do you have anybody who you think should be under review for the Brick Academy? Something that worried me about Brick Academy when I first started reading it was. Hope had quite a few players that were in there because they were used to be quite good and then they had a very bad injury and they never quite reclaimed their form. You know, he has Fernando Torres in there who we've spoken a lot about Torres's knees. Um, I fear that Bakayoko might be in there and Bakayoko has had a very bad knee injury. So, uh, I worry young, young footballers don't get a knee injury, otherwise, you'll mm. be in, uh, don't get a knee injury because you'll be in, you'll be in the Brick Academy basically. <laughs> Uh, I recommend he reads uh, The Ringer on uh, the Philip Coutinho transfer. Oh, yeah, uh, I saw your, your, your link on it. Uh, something is the Guardian long read on uh, Manchester City and how they're going to, they aim to globalize football, which looks at Manchester City Football Group. And it's fascinating as to how they are essentially building a system of satellite clubs with Melbourne City um, and New York FC and two other football clubs. And between them, they will all try and play a similar style of football and have players that migrate from one football club to another. And if they, it's a, they're basically going to take Chelsea's loan system and rather than loan them out to Vitesse, they're going to, Manchester City is going to be able to loan players out to the Vitesse, like the Manchester City backed club in Australia or the Manchester City backed club in New York. So and that's kind of what happened with, with Frank Lampard. Yes, a better example is what happened with Aaron Moy. So Aaron Moy played for Melbourne. He was a star player there. You know, he set off a button in the City Football Group that Aaron Moy is, is too good for Melbourne. Nets get him to Manchester City. They go him to Manchester City. He went, he's not good enough for Manchester City class. He was then put on loan. He played loan football in the lower leagues and then he managed to get the deal to Huddersfield. Um, so Manchester City make an 11 million profit on a player they bought for less than a million to play in Melbourne. Um, so I recommend that one. Uh, I've read loads of Rory Smith from the New York Times. He has a very good read where he interviews the chaplains from various clubs in England. So the chaplain is your vicar or the clergy person. Do they have like imams? Like do they cater uh, to like, all religions or is it just like Christianity? So the chaplain is a volunteer assigned to the football club and is typically nominally Church of England, but they also cater to the needs of players of all faiths. So uh, on one hand, you know, if a player wants to be prayed for, they can do that. If a player wants to find a place of worship when they when they just sign to the new club, it's the chaplain's job to find that. And the chaplain also provides support if players are injured or whatnot. So there's a really good story uh, where he talks to chaplains that have been for uh, South End women and a number of other clubs and how how that works. Um, I'm a big fan of Rory Smith and his work for New York Times. I think he's the best sports writer in the world right now. So 
read any and all you can find by him. Um, yeah, we will link all that stuff in the description. Can I just say my villain of the week is the Caligari fans for like racially abusing Blaze Matuidi. Uh, oh no, please, can I, a quick mention on that. UEFA and FIFA are a joke. If I see another kick out racism campaign and racism video thing, I'm going to punch someone in the face. Or another thousand euro fine. If you, if they really cared about this, you deduct points from those clubs. And then you create a serious situation where you want to continue to be racist, your club continues to get deducted points. And those people who are not actually committed, the racist acts puts pressure on those who are doing so. But because UEFA and FIFA don't really care about erasing the problem, they just slap Euro fines and stadium bans. Very annoying. My hero of just the Christmas period is going to be Ryan Brewster. There was an article that was written by somebody in The Guardian where, like, this 17, he might be 16, 17, 18-year-old kid came out. It was actually speaking about the things that happened to him when he's playing internationally or where he's playing for, like, uh, Liverpool Unders or whatever. And it's really, like, just sad stuff where this kid has to deal with, like, racism at this early age. I'm like... And, like, in my head, I'm like, does anybody ever think about, like, the trauma that racism does to kids where, like, you have to grow up faster, like, you lose your innocence because you're being exposed to to people who are racist and it makes you kind of develop coping mechanisms or whatever it is just earlier on in your life that you shouldn't really have to deal with. I was just thinking about that. But credit to that kid. Like, some veteran players don't never come out and say anything because they don't want to lose endorsements or deals or seem like they're rocking the boat in any kind of way. But this young man had the kind of presence of mind and the kind of sageness about him, if that's a word, to come out and say his piece. And I, I really appreciated that, that he was willing to do that from such a young age. It um, takes on extra light in uh, following the events of the Merseyside derby where Holgate has accused Roberto Firmino. Mm. Do we always have to end on a downer? <laughs> I just I, I, I shouldn't have said it, but yeah, shout out to Ryan Brewster, man. And he, it's crazy that like a seventeen-year-old kid should be an example to old to other people. But like, there's a lot of man. I'm not even gonna say the word. There's just some, uh, <laughs> but it starts with a C and ends with the N, and there's two letters of the same in the in the middle. <laughs> 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 but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of. A lot of those, man. But yeah, this is Talking Tactics Podcast. I want to say we do this every Tuesday. We've been away for the past two Tuesdays, but we're back. Just I, I know this is running a bit late, but I just want to say, guys, we shout out to all the other people that have been on the podcast and stuff. Carl, I really love doing this with you. Like This is one of my favorite things to do every week. I'm, I'm glad that you joined us. Have hope we've been doing this for a long time now, it feels like. I just want to say I really appreciate you guys. You guys are like internet brothers or whatever we can say so i really the feeling is mutual the feeling is mutual i appreciate doing this with you guys and uh it's one of my favorite things so shout out to you guys as well but yeah this is talking tactics podcast i'm at daniel to look uh have hope where can people find you you can find your boy at um have hope hot twitter at have hope hot and you can find me on youtube have hope football hot you can also find me on my Instagram, which I have forgotten what it's called, but just head to the website halfoffootballhot.com to see where you can catch me on YouTube and on social media. Yo, uh, Carl is at Anchorman616. Uh, we are at Talking Tactics. Remember to leave the Apple Podcast reviews and we will read those next week. Talking Tactics Podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always footballer. Indeed. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Stay black. Podcast Network.